Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. It's your old friend, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus. I've just arrived from the North Pole, and I'd like to talk to you all about this weekend's sleeves. I don't think it'll come as a surprise to anyone that listening to this weekend's sleeves is a one-way ticket to the naughty list. So, if you'd like to be on Santa's nice list, I highly recommend you turn this podcast off right now and you go listen to something nice. Maybe something Disney, or maybe take some time to make some homemade cookies. But whatever you do, don't listen to these two chowderheads talk for the next two hours about filthy, depraved, putrid films from the Far East. You'll thank me in the future. Jingle balls, jingle balls, jingle balls, cock. Jingle balls swang and jingle balls bang. Hoeing and blowing up bushes of fun. <laughs> now Charlie Cho has begun. Jingle balls, jingle balls, jingle balls, cock. Jingle ball nuts and jingle ball bus. Fooling and spooging, jingle ball square. With our pubic hair It's not a crime, right? We're tidy whites, right? So I'll watch Charlie bang away Jingle balls time is the best time To go fooling with dirty chicks he must lay Let's talk some fucking gathering of the family at Christmas in front of the TV and the VCD player and you all gather to watch a Charlie Cho movie where he's a dog. That's what you do. Let's talk about that. It's family friendly fun. Or at least it's not for adults only. That type of fun. So that's what I'll set up that uh, here at This Week in Sleaze we're going to mix it up. This uh, this uh, this year we picked a non Sleaze movie for This Week in Sleaze Tidy Whitey Theater sub series in our Charlie Cho Christmas special. And uh, he, he doesn't get it on as such because he's uh, this is from uh, olden times where he was in a transitional phase in his career when he was working the mainstream. And what it all means is that we are taking a look at look at. The 1980, uh, sorry, 1987 horror comedy Return of the Demon, directed by Wong Ying. No, not Jing. Wong Ying. Wong Ying. That you all know and love. The director of three movies. And uh, it's the movie where Charlie shares the screen with Emily Chu, Xing Feiyun, Wu Ma, and he turns into a dog. Who's a good Charlie? Who's a good Charlie? Who's a good Charlie? 
you know, we, we're sort of... He's got plenty of sleaze movies, but it's not easy to f- find the one that f- find ones that sort of just fits our bill here at Christmas. So I thought, I thought because we've done it before, we watched My Name Is a Phantoms before. That was a non-category free movie, but a very category free like role for Charlie, him being uh, the world's most savvy, uh, technically savvy peeper. But uh, here is, uh, he turns into a dog for about 30 minutes in the middle of the movie, so we're going to talk about that. Also, Charlie's forced to have sex with ghosts in The Pretty Ghostress Story from 1992. That's an amazing title. It's, it's clearly, in English, trying to riff on a Chinese ghost story and its content, because a Chinese ghost story had a pretty ghost. But it's also really far-fetched in a way, the pretty ghost-stress story. I don't think it's taken. We're making this movie for about $10, and I think we've done our work. <laughs> Let's shoot it out in the cinema. We had have a title, we have a movie, we have Charlie Chow and a couple of uh, guys in two locations. And that's our movie. We have one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll get into that as well. My name is Lisa K, and for the year-end show of This Week in Sleaze, uh, once again, a Charlie Chow double bill is chosen because it's not christmas over here in these uh, in around these parts if it's not a double bill of charlie joe movies we're, pre- we're presenting that uh, we've presented that before ourselves we are going to pre- present our views for you i've loaded up with Yulmust and also lo- loaded up with my very special co-producer and co-host the great lord joshua regal merry christmas soon ish tomorrow merry christmas how are you, kid? What do you want for Christmas, little boy? Would you like some dog piss? As I, I, I just uh, started watching the um, remastered Monty Python, uh, uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus TV series. They really uh, made that look <laughs> excellent on on Blu-ray. And uh, there's a sketch that it's the sketch that leads into the Nudge Nudge sketch, where like Michael Palin and um, Terry Jones and uh, Eric Idle are playing like eight-year-olds. They're on their knees and being interviewed by John Cleese and they're, they're very like shy eight-year-olds. They talk like this. Like, well, like what, what would you like to see? He asks Michael Palin, like Ra- Raquel Welch. And he says something naughty about, I want to see Raquel Welch do something, something. But then they break into, er- Eric's waiting a sketch. It's called Nudge it's called, it's called Nudge. Nudge. What's that? Nudge nudge, called nudge nudge, and then they cut into the, <laughs> then they cut into the the sketch like uh, evening. She she a goer, she a goer. Not I mean, not I mean. If you if you like Monty Python's Flying Circus, boy does it look better. The the movie segments like you you wouldn't believe how much better they look nowadays, and even the video segments obviously are uh, are uh, uh, way better looking as well. So like especially the animation like cleared of debris and dirt, and now with much more vibrant colors, boy. Terry Gilliam's work has uh, t- like taken a leap, so do recommend it if you can uh, if you can get it. Uh, the Monty Python uh, Flying Circus. I- I've got the Norwegian Norwegian Blu-ray set, which is obviously from that sketch, the Dead Parrots sketch where he bought the new Norwegian Blue. So therefore, it was a Norwegian Blu-ray set. Lovely plumage. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, it's uh, been great to revisit uh, Monty Python's Flying uh, Circus. Uh, my my favorite sketch is still, if you remember, if you if you saw it in some shape or form. Obviously, not when it was going out on PBS, but uh, if you saw it in some shape or form, I don't know if you remember the uh, sort of TV uh, crime like uh, highlight documentary on the Dinsdale brothers. 
which were these oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> these uh, these notorious uh, crime figures. Uh, the program that presented this very serious news piece was called Ethel the Frog. <laughs> Tonight on Ethel the Frog, we look at violence, <laughs> and uh, it's the one that ends with the one of the Dinsdale brothers. Uh, he imagined that there was a giant hedgehog on the loose looking for him, and that all obviously cued Terry Gilliam's uh, uh, animation with the hedgehog coming into the onto the screen saying Dinsdale. What are you doing here before Christmas, uh, Joshua? Uh, uh, what kind of things are you marathon binge watching that's uh, festive and stuff? Or, or is it, as a matter of fact, as you told me off air, that you're watching serial killer documentaries leading up to Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. That's <laughs> been. What have I been watching here lately? Uh, what are, with, with a one with a one year old in tow? What else yes. is there to watch? Really? <laughs> you got. I mean, the Confession Killer. You got to watch it. It's on Netflix. Always been interested in the Henry Lee Lucas story, kind of, but uh, they really presented it in the fashion of like, well, it looks like he mostly made up all that shit. But you know, they still pin. Uh, What's his name? John Walsh from. Uh, America's Most Wanted, his son's murder on uh, Otis uh, Tool, Henry's partner. Makes you wonder about that, really, but uh, yeah, I'm watching a lot of serial killer stuff. And Were you into uh, Making of a Murderer when that was on? You know, I watched it, but... Uh, it was long. Yeah, and I couldn't... Uh, yeah, I, don't know, I couldn't really get into it. I mean, I, I got... I watched the whole thing. I was like, well, that's an interesting watch, but like to me didn't seem like there was anything they presented whatsoever like that made me go oh shit this guy's innocent everything points to the guy having done it you know what i'm saying like the documentary didn't do a great job to really present anything that made you think otherwise you know and then uh but i do think the little boy the uh you know the kid i think he was um kind of screwed over i think that uh oh yeah i remember that uh they they, they seem to push a um a uh not a confession but uh, his statement they seem to sort of lead lead his statement a bit to um he, it made me uncomfortable i remember that they, they they sort of put the words in his mouth if i remember mm-hmm. uh, correctly i just i have to regress the, the dinsdale brother thing was that the thing that had um Oh, when he was the guy was being interviewed, and uh, he he was talking about was it like some gangster Doug or whatever? Yeah, Doug Dinsdale. Everybody, so. everybody was scared of Doug. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pull up the script here because uh, I've recently been to the website, so it was on my in my Google uh, in, in my Google stuff here. So I'm, I'm gonna read you two two things that I always sarcasm. Uh, oh, exactly <laughs> at the end okay. of it, he what? used sarcasm. <laughs> But uh, they they talked of um, like so- someone who remembers them well was their next door neighbor, Mrs. April Simnel, played by Michael Palin. It's like, oh yes, <laughs> Kipling Road was a typical East End street. People were in and out of each other's houses with each each other's property all day. They were cheering a lot, <laughs> and that that thing out of each other's houses with each other's property all day. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's just a marvelous. Thing right, like they talk of them being uh, born like Doug and uh, uh, Doug and Dinsdale Piranha. They were the Piranha oh, yeah. brothers. The Piranha brothers that's uh, were were born on probation in this small house in Kipling Road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, and like their father of a piranha, a scrap metal dealer and TV quizmaster, was well known to the police and a devout Catholic. And uh, like in 1928, he had married an up-and-coming East End boxer. And, uh, <laughs> and Doug was born in February 29 and didn't stay two weeks later and again a week after that. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to your thing. But one of my favorite things is when uh, they interview Graham Chapman as one of the persons who have uh, encountered the Piranha Brothers. So so uh, he's, he talks very slowly and he seems uh, w- worn. He's lived a life like, well, one day I was at home threatening the kids when I looks out the window <laughs> through the hole in the wall and sees this tank pull up. And out gets out one of Dinsdale's boys. So he comes in nice and friendly and says, Dinsdale wants to have a word with me. So he chains me to the back of, it, of the tank and takes me for a <laughs> scrape around to Dinsdale's place. And Dinsdale's there in the conversation pit with Doug and Charles Paisley of the Baby Crusher and two film producers and a man they called Kierkegaard, who just sat there biting the heads of whippets. And Dinsdale says, I hear you've been a naughty boy, Clement. And he splits me nostrils open and saws me legs off and pulls me lever out. And I tell him, my name's not Clement. And then he loses his temper and nails me head to the floor. Uh, but but, but yeah the interview um, uh, this Italian gangster that Michael Palin used to play on the show called uh, Luigi Vaccotti and uh, he was quite um, terrified of Doug Uh, and and you're right what did he do the interview asks he used sarcasm he knew all the tricks dramatic irony metaphor pathos puns parody and satire he was vicious (laughs) <laughs> that is a great bit. Speaking of gangsters, one thing I did watch was uh, The Irishman, which I was waiting forever for it to come out. Uh, loved it. W- w- were you all mad with Marty when he put down the Marvel movies, which he didn't do? Oh, come on. No, I'm a, I'm a grown-up, so I don't... <laughs> ouch, <guess>. ouch, ouch. <laughs> well, I mean, if you are the least bit mature, you, you should realize that you know he comes from a different era. And, you know, these are commercial movies. You know, I mean, even though I've watched, like, the majority of all Marvel movies, I go see them. Big, you know, fan from, like, when I was a kid, being out of comic books and stuff. But, you know, he's from a different era. So let the man think what he wants to think. Who cares? It's nothing to be angry about. He's not trying to stir the pot. And I think Kevin Smith, his view was because... He wasn't mad about it. Uh, he said that, well, he didn't grow up with this, these movies. Uh, and if I were to challenge, like, cinematic classics or musicals that he did grow up with, I would get, like, a 10-minute lecture from Martin Scorsese. Why they matter? I, I, I love him despite. And uh, he, he, he doesn't uh, put, like, a negative spin on my enjoyment of the movies I grew up with and uh, and the comic books and, uh, and the cinematic experience. So, uh, I don't know. It's a... Uh, it's uh, we live in this era where everything needs to be uh, a thing, and everything yeah. is a thing. And uh, in ten minutes, uh, we've forgotten about that. And after the release of Irishman, it like I would have been mad if there was this movement of like twenty people. Let's write Netflix and ask them to take down the Irishman because he said mean things about Marvel. You know how right. these things go, right? So right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that didn't pop up in the media. As such, haven't seen the Irishman yet. Uh, gonna eventually, but uh, I haven't been on Netflix that much lately. I've been watching my uh, other stuff and doing lots of work. But in short, uh, well, well worth it for uh, wait, waiting for a reunion between all the guys. You know, it's hard to ask anybody to set aside three and a half hours, but like 
I don't know if you if you like crime films and you you've enjoyed uh, all the stuff that these people have worked on in the past. It's like yeah, absolutely, it's worth watching. It's not it's not Casino Part Two or Goodfellas Part Two or anything like that. You know. The most important question: How much dialogue from Joe Pesci have you learned? <laughs> not verbatim. <laughs> well, you know, he's such a subdued character, and he's he's so different than what he's done. And the previous Scorsese movies, he, he kind of reminds me of um, his character at the end of uh, A Bronx Tale. You remember when he played yes, the, the priest right. or whatever who walks in at the end? Well, when well, he's uh, he's uh, he's not a priest. He's like another gangster head. He's part of the organization, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he says like, "Just uh, contact me if there's anything uh, you like, and yeah. I'll take care of you." Just a very quiet, very like you know, I don't know. He's a more human character. He's not like a cartoon in this. So a lot of his dialogue's not that great. But Al Pacino's character, Jimmy Hoffa, has got a lot of uh, great dialogue that I'm sure I'll be uh, memorizing over time. How was the uh, technical aspects um, in terms of de-aging and all of that? Was that distracting or...? It's okay. It's certainly... You can tell something's done. And he looks weird with blue eyes. Because he's trying to play the the Irishman, you know, which is you know in the book they constantly refer to his like you know light blue eyes and everything. So it's like you know you got De Niro here with his dark hair and features and his vibrant blue eyes, and it it, it looks a little weird. You know, think back on when uh, when they were proud of like this the de- uh, de aging and the recreation. I mean, it was a, a CG character, granted, but the recreation of Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy, which I just looked at. Ew. Really, I thought that I thought that was actually that thought they did a really good job. It looked creepy to me. It looked so creepy. It was a, like a cutscene character from a PlayStation game or something. This will be probably similar to yeah. I mean, I, I don't think the technology is really there to be like. Well, well, I liked I, it in Rogue One uh, with uh, Peter Cushing. They did a good job. It looked a little too. Um, you uh, can still tell. You, you, know, you could you tell, but tell. I, but I wasn't taken out of the movie. But I was like, hey, yeah, that makes sense. He's still in the story. I get it that they um, wouldn't be able to do it with, uh, you know, makeup effects. They no way they could make uh, him look thirty. You know, the in the old days they just casted a younger guy for the younger scenes. You know, but then you wouldn't really get that that performance, you know. You wouldn't get the uh, De Niro, you know, because he's only old in it for a little bit of time. You know, he's only ancient for a few scenes. I think you can look over it. I think it's just, unless you really want to get hung up on it. Yeah, I mean, if you're into the flow of a movie, then you don't think about things. Uh, at any rate, uh, for all your podcast on Fire Network needs and the back catalog of This Week in Sleeps, we, we, we don't do like monthly shows or weekly shows, obviously, but uh, I think we've got three or four in the bag, including uh, this one this year. And uh, we have some special things planned for next year as well. Already stuff in the works. But uh, for all the four back catalog, go to podcastonfire.com. All the social media links are there, including uh, our Facebook uh, presences, uh, Twitter presences, says you can find our itunes feed and subscribe to us that way and all that good stuff want to run through that and go into a musical break and then we're going to talk return of the demon and uh charlie cho as a dog and not that kind of dog you know he's a he's a horn dog normally but in this one he's literally a dog and uh, we picked something different for you to for uh, to discuss and whether or not that was pleasurable to watch or and or pleasurable um, for us to sort of uh, do for work 
we'll let you know in a little bit. Uh, so 30 seconds of uh, the mighty score from Return of the Demon from 1987 and we'll be right back. And welcome back! And the uh, first movie of this Christmas special is the non-category free movie about featuring Charlie Chow nonetheless. It's called Return of the Demon from 1987. A plot from IMDb, three treasure hunters played by Xing Foyon, To Xiu uh, Ming, uh, who is the cross-eyed fella, and uh, the leading lady of the group is uh, Choi Sao Lai. They inadvertently awaken a sleeping demon, played by Dick Wei in a Chinese uh, village, uh, who then goes on a rampage aiming to obtain the souls of 49 people born in the Hoi times. Uh, in all, and he needs to uh, obtain their souls in order to ensure his immortality. However, a Taoist priest master, played by Charlie Cho, yes, that's true, and his disciple, played by Robert Mack, his uh, acrobatic disciple, attempts to subdue the monster before he succeeds in his evil deed. So, uh, Joshua, a little short uh, opinion, first of all. Did you have, uh, did you have fun with this non-sex movie of his? <laughs> uh, hot take. I thought this was fucking awesome. I don't know how other people feel about it. I love this movie. This it's a great. little uh, half-obscure thing. It's been on VCD. It's part of the Fortune Star library, but I don't think they m- it made it to DVD, so it's kind of half-obscure. But uh, so it's not like you're going to upset a fan base akin to the size of the Marvel fan base. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know uh, but you know that might change when uh, Criterion and Kino get their hands on it next month with the Blu-ray. Where's Eureka and Arrow when you need it? Like, uh, you know what? Arrow and Eureka would not be a far-fetched prospect. Uh, but they would have to do, uh, like, Seventh Curse or things like that first. And, like, then right. go into the sub sub stuff, I guess. Uh, the dog piss stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and a very short, uh, uh, sh- short opinion I-, I want on the following thing. Was Charlie suited for this kind of movie, or do you think his forte is fucking... <laughs> yeah, I like how you got real low with that. Yes, and I'm doing, I'm doing my, uh, I'm doing my best, uh, Christopher well, Walken. Your thing is fucking. No, I thought Charlie could do anything. I mean, you know, especially if it called for him to be just a little bit over the top. And even though he's not uh, having any outlandish sex scenes in this movie, he's still over the top and uh, a bizarre character. So yeah, this is. Still, still very much in his wheelhouse. Yeah, it, it fits him, and uh, I mean, I, I very much agree. Even though I, I, the various set pieces, some of them probably do go on for a bit too long, uh, like the one where Charlie turns into a dog, uh, the whole jail sequence. But it, still, it's nonetheless unique Hong Kong entertainment. It's done with energy. It's got great pace, and all done on a somewhat limited budget, and, and still manages to look great. So. Very episodic, you know, like this happens and this, you know, you have one big story going on, but somehow you get wrapped up in these little mini episodes throughout the film. But, you know, even with all that, it still it works very well because the movie's so dang crazy. 
Plus points for a very physical Charlie Chow performance and not like that, not like fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he gets he gets put through like a, a makeup process of note. He's put on wires, thrown onto a ton of eggs and having to deal with that mess. I mean, they really, I, I would like to think he was a game actor. Like, sure, go for it. Like, work, it's work, damn it, and I'm here to work. It's a, it's very much fun. What, what you also forget is it's kind of a Shing Fu on lead performance as well, which you're not that used to. Shing Fu on often supporting heavy, you know, the, everything from the killer, and he's in both for Better Tomorrow movies, despite being killed in the first one. So, uh, but uh, he's he's nearly our ad, you know adventure hero lead, I suppose. But they, he represents being part of this part rational part violent crew as they look for the treasure in the beginning of the movie and one wants to smash the thing and get the treasure while one says well we need to do this to unlock the thing and follow instructions how to obtain treasure and then one of my favorite delights of the movie happens it's not half an hour until the demon is reborn that dick way place two minutes in we're already off and running and i thought that was delightful because uh, Yes, Hong Kong movies could get on with it quickly, but I I thought in this case that uh, they that they started off quickly and then never lets up was uh, to their credit and it works out as well. So was that uh, something you thought about? Like that they get going quickly and there's no like dull dull spots. You get about thirty minutes of exposition. Like, you know, they're talking about oh the treasures in the fist of this giant Buddha. Let's go find it. And then they found it. And then there's the demon. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it fits for what this is, which is a wild and crazy ride. The movie doesn't relent. It starts off wacky. It stays crazy. You just go till about 90 minutes are done, and then we've made our point. And, and it's over quickly as well, without spoiling it. It's one of those that when it's over, it's over. Yeah. You know, boom, the end. <laughs> you were here for the, the craziness, and now we're done. Exactly. No, no Lord of the Rings uh, ten additional endings stacked upon this no, story no. or anything, and and it's nice also because you don't know exactly well is Charlie Cho going to be the Lam Ching Ying of this picture, <laughs> but he, he isn't really. But uh, uh-huh. he, he he's in that mold in a semi sort of way. But no, he he, he doesn't don like the familiar hat and battles vampires or anything. But no. he he looks proper. He looks suave. He looks noble. And uh, he he kind of looks the part in the, in the category three movies. They kind of just got him out of bed almost, or he rolled out <laughs> yeah. of bed, got onto the movie set, and did his things. He was never well. It was probably his fourth movie that day, you know. He's yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> they were never designed these movies as such, and I, I, I that's fine. The the category three sex movies, they were the characters turned up in their suits i suppose but here it feels a little bit like well he we, we got a production design and costume design a little bit to mm-hmm. make the characters distinguishable and that means having charlie in uh, you know classical traditional ro- robes and wear and all of that and uh, mm-hmm. having him look a little bit uh, proper and suave and he pulls that off uh, so i i enjoy that uh, and especially since I don't watch enough of his pre-category three movies. It's always a little bit of like shock that he can come on the screen a little bit and not be like, panties, <laughs> exactly, and uh, squeezing milk out of titties uh, for his tea mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So, um, it's also an era of uh, Hong Kong cinema, nineteen eighty-seven, where um, I mean, I don't know the release year of this. 
But in 1997, we had a Chinese ghost story. And that cemented a visual style and a uh, an increase in pace and creativity and effects work in, in, in Hong Kong movies that some were able to do and some not. But it certainly, if you have noticed it, it certainly looks like a movie from the era it uses colors and uh, mm-hmm. and a pace and uh, energy uh, but uh, well, it's not the most low budget thing either i mean just the the first thing i noticed with the film was the sets in the very first scene that we're talking about where they're giving off this exposition dump and you see the giant buddha statues and stuff like that and it's like that stuff doesn't come cheap that was you know looks like a real movie yeah it's one of our sort of trademark um, lines on this show it looks like a real movie. <laughs> what do you know? Um, hmm. Do you think it ever stalls and does comedy for too long? Or do you enjoy the little uh, segments like Wuma analyzing the dog piss? Uh, is that enjoyable despite being uh, not highbrow stuff? I think it moves too quick to, you know, for people to even, you know, to to feel that you know what i'm saying like it's just constantly moving it's constantly adding a new element uh you know the comedy is what the comedy is either get you either laugh at it or not and i don't know i think for the most part it really hits all the right notes is is that like superbly funny that scene where you obviously know the dog piece that he leaves on the counter is going to be consumed by someone you know the suit the second you see, this is a little bit further into the movie, but the, there is a sequence where uh, Wu Ma is. What exactly was he? Like a scientist? What is he? Doctor of some sort, I suppose. Doctor of some sort? Well, for some reason or another, he uh, is getting a dog to urinate into a cup. The dog's on their side. It's all in close up, too. And he's talking. What? I can't remember. What was he doing? Like blowing on the like what was he doing <laughs> no no not that I'm, i mean it's not part of the movie <laughs> he was doing something to make the dog urinate right, right, right blowing air onto the dog or something i can't remember now but uh then finally the dog urinates into the cup and he sets the cup on a counter and he just it's so a, happens it's a glossy even so it's like a see so you can see liquid in it yeah like a i guess you'd call it not even a graduated cylinder but just like a circular cylinder and uh he has a soda pop right next to it that is the same color as Sheeran. Is that wackiness I smell? <laughs> wackiness in the air. So the second you see that, you see, you know, you've got in the same frame, you've got him setting down the urine, picking up the last of his soda pop and drinking the bottle. And you're like, okay, I know where this is going. But I thought it would be him, possibly. You know, and then all four of them show up. Uh, this is uh, Charlie, Shinku Ong, and his assistant uh, uh, Robert his assistant, Mack. Yeah, and who's the girl? Uh, she's called. She's part uh, of the team. Uh, it's like Choi uh, Sai Sao Lai. She's called about the yeah. She, she she's part of the uh, treasure hunting team. Miss Choi. <laughs> yes. So all four of them show up, and um, you expect you know kind of the Dumb and Dumber gag of like uh, they. They take us. One of them takes a sip of the urine. They make a funny face or something like that. You know, 
You, you know, Dumb and Dumber when the cop pulls over and drinks Lloyd Curran or whatever. And For some reason, I've that... forgotten about that. But, but what really? I'm thinking about is like uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie when uh, when he has the urine sample in the car and uh, then then uh, Cheech uh, drinks it. <laughs> or or you could go Naked Gun when he shows up at the uh, police station and uh, first he's what does he, how did he, he like somehow. He, takes a bite of like dung or something like that and then uh he, he tries to swallow it like to drink it to wash his mouth out and he's like oh i'm gonna need that urine sample frank and then he spits it out does a great spit take <laughs> so obviously there's a lot of movies this is done in there but you know is it delivered with the right energy despite being able to uh, see the gag from a mile away well here's what makes it great is the fact that not just one person takes it makes a funny face all four <laughs> of them, one after the other, drink this urine. Like the first person drinks it and goes, ow, it tastes horrible. And then the next person's like, it can't be that bad. Let me see that. Oh, mm, oh it's, it's not that bad. And then the next person, oh, it's horrible. And then finally the girl gets it and she just guzzles the rest of it down, pouring it down her shirt too. Because <laughs> for some reason they're like, one of them's like, Oh, you ju- you're just not familiar with soda pop. <laughs> That's the reason that it tastes horrible. She, we, soda pop is supposed to taste like urine. It it, it sounds like like Shing Feiyong's typical like loud energy, be, but but put into this scene and it, re- it really works well. And it's good fun. And Wuma is a good reactor when he sees like, oh, it's gone. Oh, Probably no. my favorite scene in the whole movie. I just think that somehow it's great. You know, I, I, as impressive as so, some some of the set design is and all of that, it's not terribly effects heavy like this crazy time, like Seven of Curse, but it uses its uh, uh, effects thinking, I suppose, in a clever way. Like when the Charlie merges with the dog or switches bodies with the dog, they do that more in uh, cuts and edits rather than right. in effects and all of that. And, and and therefore, they present it as a concept that we understand. And I think that concept works as as they have the German Shepherd or whatever and Charlie sit on, sit on each side of the thing and on an altar or whatever. And, and then the, the abilities, because he needs to sniff out uh, uh, sniff out thing in a more sort of heightened manner, I suppose, in order to battle the demon. I think those sequences are it it, it it's not like a diminishing factor of the movie. Uh, rather, they um, they they pull pull off uh, that well based on what they have, and uh, then they just require the human to act this out in a game way, and that's what they have Charlie here for. Because when when he's a dog, he's like. Obviously, he sniffs, sniffs stuff, and he pees like a dog. And uh, when he sees a female dog, obviously, he runs after that as well. So uh, that's pleasurable to me. That makes me happy. That that mm-hmm. uh, when when an energy is present, and when actors are game to be this silly, it's often quite annoying. But for some reason, it wasn't uh, wasn't here as they uh, traverse these various. Uh, outdoor sets and uh, interiors and uh, you know and and also it does a very decent job uh, explaining uh, explaining itself throughout the movie uh, you know what tools to combat the dick way with and all of that and for, for for me it's just after a while i understand this so i can sit back and see what these hong kong filmmakers can come up with whether it's baffling crazy or not you know and uh, it's it's very well um, balanced overall i think uh, even if it's not seventh curse 
crazy or anything like that. Um, I think I've talked before about like you know I'm not always a big fan of the uh, what would you call it? sorcery movies from Hong Kong like the uh, it's not always my thing. Yeah, you know, I think that sometimes the special effects just kind of age the movie because they look a little cheesy to me and and it's not only that but like oftentimes these movies don't have the greatest of plots things aren't always tied together and they just kind of expect a lot of their audience to go with it you know so but this movie i found that the lack of you know those big moments of people flying in the air and shooting lasers at one another which they do more in our second feature we'll talk about later but uh I found the lack of that actually works in this movie's favor because there's less of that to kind of date the movie in a lot of ways, even though obviously it's a dated movie. You can tell this is early 90s, but I don't know. I, I, I do enjoy that about it. I thought I like the uh, close takes. I like the uh, the hiding of the uh, imagery and the lack of effects budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more a physical showcase uh, in actuality. I mean, they're... Uh they're using their stuntmen and some of the main actors who clearly have stunt experience like Robert Mack as they battle with the undead there's some good stunts back and forth there's some good wire pulls into things and falls into things and it's not aided with animated special effects as such so it's uh, it's more of a physical showcase which in my mind doesn't date the movie as such because it's quite present what they do here and uh, I, mean, I mean the whole uh, sequence that i think do it runs too long but it's impossible to sort of dislike is when charlie is uh, turned in well he is a dog partly but now his curse has gone haywire i suppose so his spell has gone haywire and haywire and he turns into one and he runs after everyone and tries to bite them and uh, like he's uh, <laughs> this and it's uh, in a jail set with uh, featuring Natchan as uh, it's it's an unusual role for Natchan because you don't see him doing martial arts roles or being this confident, disconfident martial arts hero. And uh, he's even doing a little bit of kung fu uh, with Charlie Cho at one point. They do some exchanges. I think that's really good. And uh, I, I love one of my favorite gags is uh, when Natchan reacts to Miss Choi. Uh, her flirting with him to get out of their predicament and this is why this movie is not politically correct either he beats her up not with grace but he beats her up with anger he's so angry that she flirts (laughs) with him like kicks her to the ground and keeps kicking and kicking and kicking and I'm sorry to say I laughed at that because I didn't expect it that that reaction because (laughs) Because Natchan is is normally like the horn dog, always trying to get women. He's all goofy and stuff in Wong Jing movies, and here they turn the tables a little bit. And they set it up great too, because like there's this bit where, which by the way, this his character is part of the FBI, which I thought was wonderful. <laughs> and uh, you know, after they announced that they're at the FBI and they're looking for uh, Shin Kwon's character, his name was what Fury. Is that right? Something like that? Fierce. His name is Fierce. Yeah. Uh, so they're looking for Fierce and his uh, gang of misfits. And uh, she starts doing her like seduction walk to him or whatever. And they get these close-ups on him. That's, it's so typical Category 3, like, you know, horn dog. And he's just like, his eyes are like wide open. And you're really thinking like, oh, okay, he's about to try to grasp busts, you know. But uh, <laughs> instead he slaps the shit 
beats the shit out of her. It's uh, yeah, it's it's dark and like you said, it's not exactly politically correct, but. I did laugh. I laughed kind of hysterically. When you can surprise audiences, pull the rug from underneath mm-hmm. them, and then, that's what they sort of did, especially when you know the performer a little bit, that he would normally be, uh, that would weaken him. And they cover this up, too. They cover it up, like, and, you know, his his wife ran off with another man, so he, he hates women now. So she didn't know that, and she kind of walked into an ass beating. Would uh, the makeup persons on this uh, this production uh, uh, would they uh, take over the throne from Rick Baker with the transformation to dog <laughs> in Charlie here? Would this transformation rival American Werewolf in London? You think? Not quite. <laughs> but would it be uh, rival Teen Wolf? Oh, I don't even know about that. <laughs> uh, it's good. I mean, I don't know. It's it's. Uh very um cheaply done but uh it's effective i mean they, they, they glue a lot of hair onto him put uh big red lenses in his eyes and uh, have him act intensely they keep calling him a dog and you're like oh it's a werewolf is what he is but uh yeah it's effective it's uh charlie going crazy beating the shit out of a bunch of people and you know my favorite bits where he pushes down the uh the jail cell bars the wall and and it's funny because just a few minutes earlier he was chasing uh somebody around and they hid themselves behind a a a much smaller frame metal door and charlie had to go sneak around the back way and get in chase him down i mean i i do think i like it very much and they vary up things but i do think it runs like a few minutes too long because after a while it's yeah. a whole lot of running a whole lot of avoiding a whole lot of you know charlie acting intensely but i i still admire that they 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 got him into this role and he's game for it and uh, you know when you start to tally it up they do a lot of things in this jail scene also with high ceilings so they can do uh, a lot of things acrobatically that way and hide from him and uh, there are fun gags here like they distract him with uh, with bones and when they're done uh, when he's done consuming those bones they try to distract him with two potatoes and chopsticks in between those two potatoes and make him think that's a bone, that's a bone. And, and i love his reaction because he's like huh hmm, <laughs> not convinced it looks like a bone kind of i'm a dog so i want to but i shouldn't i don't think it's real and uh you know so so it's not just running away from charlie but some acrobatic stuff and obviously the weight contraption that shing fion and robert mack are stuck in they get some creative uses out of that some character banter too because they need to breathe uh, individually so one person needs to go up in the air one person goes to the ground and they they come to the agreement that you, you know you can be there for five seconds or three seconds and they obviously are so mean to each other because xing Foyon stands there like one one and a half but no 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 yeah. we didn't say anything about one and a half and they do that thing and i think that, that that's mightily funny it's a similar gag to what they do in aces go places one uh they have a little contraption uh, like that uh, it's fun it's great but it's not exceptional because it does run a little bit too long but it's it's enough variation in terms of threat and um it's still quotable you know what i mean yeah the, the uh, especially the um 
the the bit with them being you know hung by a noose or whatever that that does go on for quite a while but uh, you know not to say it's not effective because it is it's very funny it's very good but there's a lot of back and forth but like one guy goes down while the other one gets lifted in the air by their neck and you know the 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 counting joke they do that a few times Mm -hmm. and it's like you know that's funny but you know we can move on yeah and uh i don't know uh was it just the the jump from the vcd disc one disc two but it just seems like all of that just abruptly ends and when disc two starts you know it's a it's a nice transition, like the jail scene and stuff that's done by VCD one, and uh, by VCD two we're into the mansion and uh, Emily Chu's character and all of that. So uh, it's like, a, but it's so abrupt, and they, nobody's discussing like, oh my god, Charlie nearly killed us because VCD one ends with uh, Charlie being they finally, you know, with all the stuff in the jail, they finally get Charlie and they put him in. Uh, oh, what's that old torture device called? The uh, Basically, the the one of those things, a stockade, isn't that it? He's he's trapped there, and then we cut to Charlie walking with his assistant in the woods, like immediately, and nobody's discussing it. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's like mentioning the fact that you know we just spent you know twenty minutes or so like fighting Charlie, but now hey, okay, let's let's continue with the rest of the movie. All right, that was a good episode. Now we're gonna continue with the next episode. I was almost convinced that the entirety of the VCD2, uh, because I've forgotten a lot about the movie, would take place in the mansion because it seemed like that kind of movie. They had limited sets, but they did the most of them and with them. But uh, it's it certainly a little fun sequence if you if you know Category 3 Charlie and when he's sort of, uh, he's, uh, he's eyed by Emily Chu's ghost. Who wants uh, who wants him bad? And uh, he uh, he is a character that argue tries to argue himself out of sex, yeah. and that's not something category free Charlie ever does. So he he <laughs> says to her, "I got bad eyesight, I got blisters, I got AIDS, and I'm also impaired." I got so, AIDS. My so you don't want me, but uh, for for me, it actually renewed the energy of the movie a little bit uh, after the jail sequence. While fun had gone on for so long and uh, yes the whole egg sequence goes on for a fair amount of time too but it's joyous to see that they don't fake this egg sequence this is throwing Charlie Charlie throwing himself I guess uh, yeah. onto eggs uh, being lowered and f- onto eggs via wires I suppose and then being all slimy mess afterwards talk about Charlie being a, um, a game performer this is it right here because can you imagine how long he had to be covered in eggs, you know, just broken eggs and just that nasty shit. Oh, probably. Because it's a fairly involved sequence. They do um, a lot of, uh, obviously, there are insert shots of someone walking on their tiptoes to avoid the eggs, but but sometimes he's turned upside down for, on the wire. So it's one of those sequence that's, that sequences that you have to work on for a day or two, or maybe more. Mm-hmm. And someone needs to... Uh, put new eggs out in case uh, you need to do new takes and all of that because it's a room full with hundreds of them that's uh yeah he's he's a dirty man and he's not afraid to get dirty it's our it's our right. uh so new view of him um, of him here Gr- granted I, I think you could have cut emily chu out of the movie and it would not made a whole lot of difference but still it's it's nice to see the movie renew itself after the prison sequence uh 
went on for so long and all of that. Yeah. So other note is uh, it has well, when it does effects work, it has perfectly possible effects uh, both way in terms of. Uh, uh, the actual, you know, how cinematography aids it to to um, create our atmosphere, but also they, they throw a magic net onto Dick Way, and there's also a a rope of sorts that's highlighted with orange color, so orange animation, and the ropes uh, that rope wraps around that magic uh, net, and they combine that with smoke, and uh, you know, Dick Way trying to shake it off. I think those effects are perfectly possible. In my eyes, don't they don't age. Uh, those kind of effects so but, but they don't do it a lot it's not like a Choi Hak production where they have all the tools of the trade at their disposal and they can just play they uh they they use a limited sort of palette but um, i think that's perfectly impressive and uh, even if your notes are not to um towards the end yet i, I still want to say that the underground layer that that the finale is set in with Dick Way's undead minions spinning that wheel slowly. That's, that's some pretty impressive size to that set, I have to say. That uh, isn't done in close-ups or faked with perspective shots or anything. That, that's a pretty massive set they built for yeah. the movie. It's, it's the majority of the money in this movie went towards sets, you know? That's certainly what it seems to be. That, that opening uh, bit with all the statues and stuff like that. These final bits inside the cave systems and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's good shit. I mean, uh, running away from the corpses tends to be a little dull uh, when you when you think the ending or expect the ending to take things up a notch. But then again, it gets better when they are battling Dick Way a bit more um, in person, so to say. And even with Dick Way taking bumps and he he's on wires, Robert Mack is on wires, and you know they. Uh, they so they they pull one shot. I think they pull Robert Mack up towards a little thing that sticks out of the wall, and he lands what looks like quite uncomfortably on that. And obviously they have some uh, dust lying there for for the impact and all of that. And 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 that looks good. And um, also there, there there's some cool uh, makeup effects towards the end with uh, Dick Way's face uh, bleeding. You know he's got the blood coming out of his face and arms and. Uh, and they, you know, they 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 involve the actors and then mix with stuntmen in you know in terms of impressive falls and uh, it it gets the job done because uh, chased by the corpses isn't the only content of the ending. Obviously, you got the pulsating heart in the rock with all the maggots. That's a great visual, and I, I found it really pleasurable, really pleasurable. And any highlights from the ending for you? Well, you mentioned the the pulsating heart inside of the maggots and everything. That was pretty disgusting and uh, just overall pretty awesome too. So yeah, it's like in a rock as well. So it's yeah. it, it's not on him. It's not his body. Really imaginative. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be the maggot handler. I'll, let me just say that I'd rather sweep up and mop the floor after the egg sequence than handle the <laughs> yes. maggots. Oh yes. But yeah, like I said, just it's I don't know, the whole movie to me is just a whole lot of fun. It's not it it seems over the, all over the place, but not as um, it, like it's effective being all over the place because it's funny in between the stuff and sometimes uh, Hong Kong movies uh, tended to stall and I don't think this does. Granted, you don't care deeply about the characters and some of the characters' dark fate towards the end, but uh, still it's uh it it's fun and it goes boom and then it's over. Quick, easy, fun. Like, not even a freeze frame. Like, phew, I'm glad no. we're out of that. Don't slip on the pulsating heart. Whoop! And then freeze frame. 
and and no uh, f- no, no fake ending in terms of like well i'm glad we defeated him and then he pops up in the frame again Wah! and then yeah, freeze frame yeah. not even that this wong ying wouldn't do that wong jing <laughs> would do that uh, good fun glad you liked it as for availability it's not in circulation currently but it was a few years ago it, it had a laser disc release from golden cinema city they were always high quality in my experience so if you can find a laser disc that's a sure bet it had two vcd releases from delta mac and joy sales based on this clear letterboxed subtitle print um, and uh, they, they were better than average vcd releases uh, those releases from these companies uh, there was also a mandarin dubbed only dvd from the mainland uh, that had uh, english subtitles but i'm not sure it was letterboxed but uh, be, being more more of a hong kong comedy that cantonese banter is something i prefer so um uh, therefore the vcd was perfectly fine in that regard Okay, okay, let's take a musical break and uh, let's talk the um, actual uh, category three movie of this uh, episode after that uh, break. Uh, f- fast forward to 1992 and uh, sort of what you can expect from 1992 or even 1993. A mix of gambling, sex, uh, special effects, ghosts and stuff and that's what was called a movie in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> it's called A Pretty Ghost Dress Story, Charlie Cho co-stars in it uh, and uh, we'll be back after the break to review that very film Welcome back in the second review of the Christmas special. We're still loaded up with our Christmas beverages. I hope you are too. And uh, now we're going to talk about the fucking... <laughs> the, fu- <laughs> the fucking of this episode. Or the limited amount that we get. It, it doesn't have a lot, actually. Uh, it's called The Pretty Ghost Dress Story from 1992. Sounds lovely and family-friendly. It isn't. So... Plot from my review of the film, uh, the character Wu Fung plays, he gambles a lot with his Taoist uh, priest uh, foster brother, gambles and argues with him, that, that's one of, the, one of the sort of main plots here, uh, Charlie Cho comes into it as well, he's trying to ward off ghosts but ends up having sex with them unwillingly and uh, Wu Fung's uh, daughter, dead daughter, is trying to escape the king of hell, played by Chun Fat. so it's it's so thinly plotted, those are the sort of free Threats. Uh, someone's missing something. And they, they argue and play checkers. And then then Charlie Cho comes in and he actually has sex with ghosts, but he doesn't wanna. Waka waka. High drama. Uh, okay, so this obviously taps into the Chinese ghost story formula, but with added sex. We've seen that already. There was erotic ghost story or, or Chinese erotic ghost story. Like uh, combine the supernatural and effects with erotica that that was doable by the start of the 90s and all of that and even chinese ghost story was erotic to some degree or but but this is a small budgeted movie uh, very small budgeted it's only set in a few rooms and one outdoor location and it's a 90s ghost sex quickie that is pretty tedious to be honest uh, until the second half comes around and then we have some more spirited stuff get it spirited i get it you're funny <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the animated special effects and even the kung fu action between, you know, ghosts and priests and then Chung Fat's character, King of Hell, it's lively to a decent degree once we get to the ending. But uh, really, it doesn't have any true ambition as a movie yeah, and it can't put it forth either. Charlie doesn't make much of an impression either or noise no, or noises. Uh, it's mostly scared stiff. And, uh, yeah. d- and then he has a uh, sex scene with the ghosts uh, an hour in, and that's about it in terms of sex. If you know the sort of frequency and pulse of these movies, and we do, we can endure this. But mm-hmm. it's not the first you should watch. Like, should I no. watch Sex and Sin and pre- or Pretty Ghost Dress Story first? Like, fuck this movie right <laughs> to hell. <laughs> and watch Sex and Sin and a ton of other movies before. And when you're bored, maybe you can try out you know add an additional charlie show movie to your sort of viewing resume it's right. fine to do that but it's not great i picked it because it it sounds good to like throw that out like charlie show ends up having sex with ghosts boom waka waka. it's good enough for the show and uh a little discussion but that that's my sort of uh short opinion uh, what do you want to say about the pretty ghostress story yeah i mean it's not the worst thing we've ever watched for this show at all but uh, it's the it's worst also... thing we have ever watched. I can't think of think of it now. <laughs> is that what is the worst thing? Yeah, oh, God, I, I can't think. Bad. Are there any bad category free movies? Well, of course there are, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, there are. <laughs> what was uh? Oh, shit, I always forget it. Which one's the one uh, with that long awkward shower scene? Well, one of the two, but the really the worst one. Several movies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know which one you mean, but I've forgotten the name of the movies. I just remember that they're, they're more sad documentary shots than actual movie. But the one that's the most depressing, that was probably the worst one. Yeah. That was a, that was a Christmas episode some years back, wasn't I it? I think, you know what? I think one of the places it's in, I want to say Devil of Rape. But I'm not too sure. It, it's one of the first Christmas shows we did. Devil of Rape. That was our Christmas show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, um, let, let's keep it cheery, despite this movie being what it is. But so uh, let's go back to the short opinions. Uh, is, it, uh, is it tedious to sit through until uh, the stuff that happens towards the back end? Eh, you know, to enough degree. I mean, honestly, the story unfolds uh, in a way that uh, you can keep up with the plot at least to it even though it's very thinly veiled so there's a lot of plotting and a lot of you know slowly methodically you know telling us a story so i mean i get that i'm like at least they're trying to actually tell a story as opposed to some movies that just string together jokey scenes or what have you and really i mean there are what probably like how many actual nude scenes are there even in this movie two three yeah, I suppose. Uh, ma- mainly the uh, ghost man orgy at the, uh, at yes. the hour mark. Ghost, uh, the ghost man orgy? Yeah, was the ghosts and then Charlie. He was a man. He's a man, he damn it. A, yeah, but I mean, it's one to three. <laughs> ghost. I would say it's more like ghost girl orgy. Yeah, sure, sure. It'd be more apropos. Anywho. I <laughs> really want to argue about this now. <laughs> want to do this now? <laughs> Uh, we'll do it live! Okay, uh, <laughs> anyway. I understood that reference. It's, yes, you did. It's not that bad, but it's, yeah, like you said, it's like on the top tier. It's like probably in the 150 area. 
I mean, it starts out. It starts out well enough, though, uh, with the priest performing magic at the altar. He summons his hopping, hopping vampires and uh, paints anime, paints stuff in the air, which is uh, animated special effects and all of that. And there, there's some good timing to when he, you know, uses his power to uh, make the hopping vampires fall down all at the same time, and then he starts escorting them throughout the night. And then we don't see much of that because that has little to no relevance to the plot. As such, we don't get much of the hoppy vampires, but it's really, considering the budget, I thought the, the opening with the smoky sets and uh, shooting it at dusk or using filters to make it look like dusk really looked um, effective and atmospheric, despite this being Mr. Vampire knockoff stuff. But it's, it's more of a demonstration than plot content, sadly, because then we cut from countryside mood to standard urban Hong Kong credit stuff. And you just realize as soon as they have the montage of shoot buildings so we can have our credits, shoot more buildings in broad daylight. And it's not atmospheric anymore. It's that IFD style credits almost <laughs> shoot the Hong Kong skyline and then you have your movie. So it changed rapidly uh, from that, that atmosphere, which I really enjoyed. Uh, so, um, yeah, so before we move on, uh, was that like... Uh, did you feel hope for the movie, uh, seeing the opening at night and all of that? Or was it like, ah, I've seen this before? I didn't, you know, I never, The when I lost hope for the film, it was probably around the time that Charlie watched the girl take a shower. Yeah, you know, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. God, boy. Well, okay, yeah, we'll just How could that. that be boring? But yes, <laughs> oh, sometimes oh, it can be boring. You wait and find out. Yeah, so I mean, it cuts. As you said, it it, it drops the plot, uh, plot content and clues with uh, the character Wu Fong plays. He was the actor who was the child molester in another piece of romance that we looked at a few years ago. The movie where Charlie loses his penis, uh, it gets cut off. Wu Fong, who's a proper actor, was a child molester in that one. So he's still doing category three movies, but not. uh, not uh, with that content. Thankfully, he's he's a he's a grieving father. Didn't get pigeonholed as a child molester. No, thankfully. <laughs> so he, he's, he's sad. He's a bit of a sad sack. And then he meets almost his doppelganger in Charlie because he looks equally like a sad man, like a weakling, mm-hmm. weakling almost. Uh, uh, who's come from the mainland to do something, something. And then, then there's boring conversation with uh, the brother about uh, gambling. He calls him on, on the bus and there's there's even to, to fill out the conversation they have pov shots of uh, the brother character on the bus talking on the phone so we see his little we see pov shots from inside the bus and it's like this is not directing this is this is bad this is, <laughs> this is not it is not a fantastic conversation and the, the shots to fill fill out the movie it's just bad and the entire movie too especially when they do meet and have their uh, chinese chess game this little uh, shop i suppose uh, because it, they're, they're surrounded by uh, soda machines so everything's white everything's beige yes. everything's vanilla and all the shirts are white and uh, the subtitles are white, are so white. Like, come on drop a little shade of color somewhere <laughs> so we can find out what's going on but if, if, thankfully you you get that they're sort of they're, they're bickering, they're arguing a little bit, but it's one of those things like, come on, like, you're movie people, you should know how to spice up the frame ever so slightly. Deck, put a 
put a doily somewhere, put a, like a cloth somewhere over something. Maybe, maybe okay. they're shooting it like this because you know the white is supposed to represent the heavens, right? So that's like the afterlife. You know, maybe they're trying to say that heaven is on earth and we should focus on what we have here with us right this moment instead of focusing on the end of life where you'll confront the king of hell and all of these things. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. What you think? Well, we know that white is the color of death in uh, in Asian culture, Chinese culture. So that's why, uh, God. why uh, brides don't wear white to weddings. So that's, uh, that's a little culture thing that um, this movie five I'm, stars i'm sure incorporated over it's the best movie ever yeah i mean it, and also they, they try but here's the difference between return of the demon and this using age-old comedic stuff well versus not well it depends on the energy you put forth and the, the timing and pace you put forth his dead daughter is aiding his um his uh, chinese chess game i'm sorry i don't know the name of it so i'm calling it chinese chess by having his um his uh, uh gaming pieces be uh favorable to him like she's uh, aiding that by popping into the frame in and out and we we've seen such comedy before of course uh, but it's um it's really it's pretty, pretty flat and dull um because they're, they're they, they don't conceptualize and enhance is my point and uh, so even when this sort of uh, supernatural element pops up you don't raise your eyebrows because it's still slow and it's still all white and dull and flat and uh, that doesn't work for me really it's a pretty boring film like aesthetically it really is yeah for sure it's just it's it's about telling a little simple story that unfortunately gets fleshed out over 90 minutes and you'd think 90 minutes from a guy who just watched three and a half hour uh, Martin Scorsese film, you know, this will be ninety easy. minutes should, yeah, this should be nothing. But honestly, it's easier to watch that three and a half hour film than this, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's also easy to f- to forget the atmospheric opening mm-hmm. because they're they're not uh, they're they're not uh, teasing us with it again until very much later. So you you all you think about is this entirely non-designed movie where everyone wears white and everything is white all around the place and and it's it's a shame because the director had had um, he he'd done like work in the kung fu genre and uh, had experience as action director and been around action directors and you would hope some creativity would be picked up and yes towards the end that creativity is used but not for the narrative stuff and not for the sex stuff it's for the action stuff so uh but but yeah if it had uh, been return of the demon sort of sh- shamefully cool in terms of dra- drain uh, drenching your set in smoke and blue lights you know i would have paid attention but this doesn't do that enough and mm-hmm. uh, so it, it has to work a lot harder to ex- to experience like viewer goodwill and it uh Perhaps it never does, but there's better stuff towards the end for sure. And uh, but but then you have our, our, our star here that's supposed to liven up matters, Charlie Cho, especially when it gets a whiff of uh, whiff of sex stuff. And um, when we get that peeping scene, you would think like, oh yes, here we go. Things are gonna be fun and lively, and he's gonna say some stupid shit. And what happens, Joshua, when he watches the keyhole for five minutes? 
It's every bit of five minutes. Well, you know, I don't know if it's just because it's a grainy VCD and it's 2019. It's not 4K HD. But you watch Charlie watch through a keyhole in POV view of a woman get into the shower behind a shower curtain in a very foggy room. Yes, we don't see anything. You proceed. <laughs> she proceeds to bathe and there's nothing remotely sexual <laughs> because you can't see a damn thing. Did, 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 this is the ghost of the dead daughter, the adult dead yes, daughter. mind you. Did yeah. she ever do nudity in the film? Because... I guess not, huh? I mean, unless you count this. Well, you don't, you know, not, not on screen anyway, so there's no point. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe if it was 4K, <laughs> you might see something, you know, if it was maybe behind that shower curtain, but... Yeah, this is awful. <laughs> the, 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 well, so, what does Charlie do to enhance this, if anything? Does he like have conversations with himself, like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah? Or what does he do, Joshua? I don't remember doing anything. He stayed quiet for the entire thing, which is logical, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it doesn't make the scene any more like humorous or anything. You know, the, there's nothing else going on. You're just watching this scene of gray and white. For five minutes, you know, and if you think five minutes is a short amount of time, it's not. It's to get your clock out and start counting. I mean, they, they brought the, out like the full on sex based percussion arrangement for the peeping. Yes. So they tried oh, to spice yeah. it up, but it's really like flatlined. It should have been 10 seconds. You know, you know, logically, he's a good guy. So he doesn't he's not supposed to turn into a pervert, but you gotta realize editing is your friend, for heaven's sake. The whole scene could have been 10 seconds, because all you need is Charlie to look through the keyhole, you know, see the woman getting in the shower, and then have the shower. Basically, uh, he looks, and then all of a sudden she's gone, and she disappears, and the shower's off, and it's like all was an illusion, basically. So that's all you need. You know, but instead they focus on this five minutes of her showering that you can't see, and there's n literally no point to it whatsoever. And they're doing a bad job as exploitation filmmakers because it doesn't feature nudity, right? right. If it would have been five minutes of nudity, right. that would have played. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a boring sure. sequence, but you would have had some audiences being like, ooh, ooh, ooh yes, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, but but no, it doesn't even do that. Uh, it's a tease in that regard. And even the scene where she um, she enters Charlie's bedroom, there there isn't a sex scene, but it it's a long approaching Charlie. Granted, I I like the look of the sequence where Charlie's bedroom is lit in all red, and he is lit in yeah. all red, except the dead daughter is dressed in white, and she is not affected by the red light that they have in the set. That uh, that that contrast is good, but it's. Two things are wrong with this sequence. One, it's it, n nothing happens. She just sort of approaches him and lies on top of him, and he's scared stiff, and then they cut away. Nothing happens. But they put a cheery soundtrack on top of it. Yeah. It sounds like the credits to a comedy movie or like the end, end credits to a shitty sitcom where the main characters turn to each other like, oh, you, and then freeze frame. And then the sitcom rattle, uh, and, and then the credits uh, rattle uh, rattle a bit before you. So it, it's like, guys, mood, mood. <laughs> what are you doing? I, I don't know if music would have saved it, that, that particular 
scene that seems to be on its uh, way to be essentially like the ghost raping the man but she just lies on top of him because she's in love with him but um, when those sequences do- doesn't pan out yeah, you don't when you don't get anything even remotely sort of quotable from it it's just these sort of flat lying still type of scenes and being still type of scenes when he looks for the keyhole he's still when he's approached by her in bed he's still so what's the sort of point here like when are we when are we going to get something neat that warrants the category free rating we get one scene, <laughs> and and it and it, and it takes a, an hour until we get there. I mean, they, they drop a little yeah. neat neat visual, a, a low budget but neat visual of uh, her, the ghost meeting the, I suppose the hell police officers, which is a, yeah. which is just guys in uniform, but they shoot it in a forest uh, with smoke and all of that. And I sort of like that visual of her having to deal with uh, King of Hell's uh, police force. Good fight scene too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, she she engages in that fight scene, which which is neat mm-hmm. to see. But um, I'm not sure. I mean, it was lively because it was the sole piece of nudity we get in the film. But I'm not sure the uh, the orgy uh, was any good either, as such. So nah. But if you have any notes, uh, do describe it because it's the one Charlie Joe sex scene and our sole piece of nudity. But I guess they make up for the fact that there's been none by having three girl ghosts. Come to him, right. So. I mean, you know, it's it's just kind of it's a typical sex scene, uh, you know, and it's kind of it's kind of sad because it it takes away from this character. They've actually done so hard, you know, they've worked so hard to establish this story, this character. This is the same guy who twenty minutes or fifteen minutes earlier was uh, had uh, went out of his way to get a spell to uh, vanquish ghosts from coming to see him, right? Because he, he's so terrified of ghosts. So he, he did this, he got this spell, he wrapped his entire room with it, and he hid under a blanket because he was scared of uh, the boss's daughter's ghost coming to see him, even though she's been just kind of sexual with him throughout the whole movie. So he's terrified of that. But when he wakes up and there's three gorgeous ghosts on top of him, Everything's okay, and he goes in the full-on uh, Charlie Horndog mode. Doesn't really help your character very much, and I mean, I guess I shouldn't be complaining about character in a movie like this, but I mean, that's what they've given us throughout the majority of the movie. That's what we're hanging on to, and so then they just completely devalue that, so uh, you know, it's kind of hard not to. It does feature some quotable stuff, though. I, I, I made a note here, lesbian ghost face rubbing. <laughs> meaning i think the uh the lady actresses were reluctant to kiss so they yeah. just rub faces so it was like kiss yeah. kiss yes we'll no kiss we'll, we'll no and we'll, we'll rub instead <laughs> yeah okay, fine cut print moving on um that's good i'll do it there's some strange positions here essentially a lot of stacking yes yeah there was a lot of stacking in there women on top of women yeah yeah, uh, it looked like I don't want to be the one on 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 the bottom because there's a lot of a lot of weight. <laughs> weight. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> sexy, sexy, make it sexy. <laughs> Quit complaining. So so yeah, they do some stuff, but uh, I suppose uh, that latter half of that sequence is the most enjoyable because uh, of the rubbing and the stacking. But uh, <laughs> that's that's what this movie is. You know, pretty ghost story, okay? Rubbing and stacking. 
I mean, also as a story, because we, we kind of can talk story as we've established. It's it's not about vanquishing the daughter. She she's not an enemy here. It's about transitioning a loved one, and not having her fall into the evil hands of King of Hell, but having her transition to the afterlife. Not marrying Charlie Cho because Ghost and Man can't marry, as we all know. It's well intended. If anything, uh, you know, for the last fifteen minutes. Be- because it now is supernatural stuff combined with erotic stuff if you tally up the movie things do liven up and it's actually not too bad the last 15 minutes which contains the uh, ceremony and the confrontation with the king of hell and and a lot of like low budget but neat visuals like Chung Fat's character and Ch- Chung Fat if, if you don't remember the name Joshua he was uh, in um, Spooky Encounters Encounters of the Spooky Kind as the good priest that is on Sammo Hung's side and he and he was part of Sammo Hung's action team for many many years so, so uh, you you can see him in uh, you know as an actor and uh, and uh, stunt performer in tons of movies uh, um, but but they do have him enter on on a little uh, carriage of sorts uh, in slow motion, and the set is fully uh, filled with smoke. The four set, I think that's good enough. I like that stuff. Slightly eerie, and they even picked the correct bed of music for such an arrival. So it's not like he's arrived, he's arrived, he's arrived. So they've learned their lesson. And while we don't have a Lam Xing Ying type of cool and present Taoist priest. We'll take what we can get, and there are some wire shots here, Chinese ghost story style, flying through the woods, wire work, some animated effects, and even um, some kung fu, but but also a nice distinctive, uh, in terms of special effects, uh, a nice distinctive uh, weaponry issue here, because she battles the king of hell using her sort of white waves, while he has, you know, orange lasers and yellow lasers. And obviously, I've seen Choi Hak do this ten times better. But it's not lacking in enjoyment because he, he, he the action team, does okay. It, it actually is okay. Uh, and the movie picks up pace and uh, I, I fell into a little bit of a comfortable place watching the, the remainder of the movie. So it's, it was not terrible to have to have this movie in your sort of viewing bag because we we got 15 minutes of this despite having five minutes of keyhole earlier too <laughs> so <laughs> i i really like that uh, so i'll throw over to you um any thoughts on the um, finale of it all with the action and the effects and uh, all of that you know like i mentioned earlier i'm usually not a you know big fan of the flying and lasers and etc cetera, etc cetera. You know, but I mean, I found this to be well done for what it is. You know, I mean, I think that if you are into these types of films, uh, what would you call it? Fantasy action or what have you. I mean, it's it's worth a watch. You know, I mean, part of me, it's in the wuxia tradition, but clearly an echo of what Chinese ghost story and even Sue to an extent, which was earlier established in terms of what Hong Kong can do and what pace Hong Kong can put forth, even though it's not on that level. This sequence is probably worth watching, but the entirety of the movie, it's kind of a, it's a hard sell to say, hey, watch this whole movie so you can see these few bits, you know? It's it's really not. I agree. I mean, mean, it's for us, if anything. We we can can tolerate this, and I didn't pick it because... When I read, because I had a, like a good review of it, I didn't. But it has elements that are 
worth it to sort of just uh, add to our archive, I suppose. Uh, and uh, it fit the bill for Christmas. <laughs> we picked a bad movie, so it fits the bill for Christmas. <laughs> That's typical Christmas, yeah. So our requirement is a little bit of Charlie Joe that we can, ah, ah, yeah, ah, yeah, now, now I'm festive. But mainly all that uh, resided in the first movie, I suppose. Uh, but uh, you, you you come at this with the right attitude, I think, uh, because you you you're not this sort of judgy type of viewer because you your palette is genre and you know genre even classic genre stuff have their ups and downs in one you know even in a classic movie. So you I I think you've learned throughout the years that yeah you got to endure some stuff to get to the good stuff even if it's just five minutes of it or. Uh, and and things like that, whether it's Asian or 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 American exploitation, you know what I mean. So uh, I mean, you 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 even s- sat through epically long stuff like that. Uh, what was it? We we, we discussed it in the Men Behind the Sun episode. There's a super long Russian movie oh, yeah. that uh, uh, did, did of a knife. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's two hours. It's like four hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and it's not all good for hours, but there's some stuff there, and and, and I think you're you're receptive to the fact that yeah, the you know ups and downs, but there there'll be some to discuss. Yeah, something worth watching. But uh, yeah, so uh, as for availability, availability, this was an Ocean Shores title, so at least uh, there, there was a Hong Kong VCD, but we got a copy of the Laserdisc by World Video, which I think was a US company and the neat thing about sometimes their copies was that they sometimes had cinema subtitles while hong kong counterparts from from for instance ocean shores did not so this might have been such uh, one such case where the hong kong home video thing didn't have subtitles uh, even though you don't need it as such and some of them are not very visible white 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 uh, <laughs> it might be in circulation if you're looking for it but uh, but obviously uh, essentially this is all out of print uh, stuff so uh, but uh, let's uh, let's finish this one off i think this has been a uh, a perfectly fine christmas joshua a little <laughs> christmas celebration because what, what matters to me is that uh, you and i and uh, we were hoping to get king who here but uh, life was uh, calling him and rightfully so but uh, what matters to me is that we we do get together at the end of the year to do something and uh, that we have uh, some uh, plans but not uh, extensive plans because i know i can't get you every week every month uh, to do these things but uh, i don't know if we should announce what we're working on but uh, for once, because I know this is coming out in on a specific date, which is the 23rd of December, uh, you know, we got to amuse ourselves, Joshua. And uh, what we're working on, and this is serious, but it's such our own joke. You know, listeners, you might remember we did a show on the hardcore pornography supernatural movie Mindfuck once. And then we did it again with some added extra info. Add, because we now knew there was a category free softcore version of it so we could talk of that and we're doing it again <laughs> <laughs> but, but this time and this is serious I've done the majority of the work already we're gonna do an audio commentary on Mindfuck <laughs> we're gonna sit there talk of the movie talk of the category free movie compare scenes that's are, that are in Mindfuck that are that are exclusive to it versus the category free movie we're gonna talk talk through it and then 
Marvel at how just how, how ugly and disgusting and poo drenched the fucking looks. We're gonna talk of that to the movie, so to say, live sometime next year when uh, we can get it practically to work because obviously we we can't rent studio space and uh, and get it done. We Joshua has to do it in his home and clear out the house. You really clear out the house <laughs> and clean up the house once it's done. It sounds like pure redundancy, but it really is not. Because in all seriousness, Joshua, the amount of preparation that I've done for our third go at this is kind of different. Because now we're doing it in commentary form, in screen-specific mm. form. So I've done tons of notes on it. <laughs> loads of <laughs> loads of notes. Because I watched the whole version. Eh? Loads, yes. But uh, I, I didn't feel uh, any uh, tingling anywhere after having watched it no. again. Yeah. It's just like, oh, 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 God, I don't like sex. <laughs> I hate <laughs> sex. <laughs> Is this the way it looks? God damn it. I don't want to do that. <laughs> don't put it there. So, yeah, we're going to do that uh, because I've, I've compared compared the versions. So that's the bulk of the notes. But we're going to repeat some info. But now it's going to be a commentary. So sometime next year, that's going to happen. But we're going to do, uh, hopefully, like two or three episodes next year or maybe more. We'll see what happens and, and find an angle to each episode because we don't have time to get together to do random movies. Now I try to pick um, selections that have a sort of unifying theme, I suppose. Um you know, when we did Temptation of a Monk and Dumplings, there was a thread behind those movies, uh, in between those movies, and there were a little bit of classier Category 3 fare, I suppose. And uh, So yeah, but uh, I hope to have you on board for the uh, sporadic, uh, sporadic episodic output. And as you well know, my gift to anyone, and this is serious, that takes time to participate in these uh, shows, whether it's this show, podcast on fire is that i don't put pressure on anyone to uh, to show up and uh, and perform so to say because that's not not how this works this is not a business entity that requires everyone to uh, appear with a uh, with a certain interval and all of that uh, and that's the exact pressure so to say that i put on on someone like you because you're a family man and uh, you're a father and everything's still new and busy and you're working and um, so you shouldn't spend that much time here really but <laughs> but i'm appreciative of uh, the time that you do uh, that you do uh, find to spend with me here yes sir thank you and thank you for this uh, stage to watch these insane movies <laughs> I thought you said, like, thank you for this staged sort of, like, is this theater? <laughs> is this, like, <laughs> fa- fake pleasantry between us? <laughs> no, that was honest, you son of a bitch. Yes. But uh, I, I suppose uh, all that's left to say is let's stop the fucking for 2019. We're done for this decade. And uh, we wish you all a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year. And uh, again... If you both were here, but I, I can I can say this to you individually. I can say this to anyone, of course. I'm, if you both were here, uh, I was going to say I'm very happy for you guys, the family you've, you've created, the families you've extended. And it makes me all the more appreciative that you take the time to do this silly stuff with me. But um, hey, I, uh, I take it seriously, but I couldn't do it without you. That's also the point. Want to say anything else to the kids listening? <laughs> Don't. Go away. Don't. Don't do this to yourself. Keyholes are not meant for that. (laughs) Have fun, everybody. Have fun. Take care of each other.
I'm going to watch The Irishman again. Why don't you all watch The Irishman? Hey, hey did you read the book, by the way? I forgot I to did. ask that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> is, it a, is it a doorstop of a book, or the movie is heftier, in a way? I don't know. The, the book is just very, um, you know, factual, I guess, if you want to call it that, if you believe the story or not. But uh, it's just like dates and times. This happened, then this happened. But it is a good read. And, uh, not if you're dense, interested in like, like not to dance with facts and numbers no not not too too much there are bits and pieces throughout it that there's like uh all the stuff about jimmy hoffa like the the book kind of stops frank sheeran's story frequently and like goes into jimmy hoffa's story that part to me was a little dry mostly when it's telling frank sheeran's story you know kind of in his words a lot uh so there's a lot more to delve into yeah. yeah, I might try it out if uh, the movie piques my interest, uh, especially if there is an audio version of it. I'm, 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 I'm more uh, receptive to that, even though I'm, uh, I, I have a library, that physical library with some books, like so, some film books, some uh, even game gaming books, like uh, gaming history books that are not meant for audiobook f- consumption anyway so but uh i'm, I'm a slow reader so i like I, I set my timer to like 15 minutes when i do sit down and read in order to make sure i get 15 minutes done but that's it otherwise i get antsy so it's all good so i'm i'm, I'm busy with that uh, as i'm walking to work for an hour even during the christmas season and all of that and in the snow and all of that i'm listening to an audiobook so that's what i'm doing this christmas at any rate let's um conclude this and stop the fucking and all of that and merry christmas happy holidays happy new year to you joshua and your family all right thank you you too anything is about forgiveness. It's about being wholesome to one another, if not watching wholesome films. With that in mind, the great Lord Joshua Regal, Sleazy K, this year only, I'm going to put you both on the nice list. And for everyone out there, you're going to get a pass too. Except for that damn dirty Johnny. I know you're listening, Johnny. I've got your number, young man. And if I do find you this year, you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay!
This week in Sleeves Experiencing Some Technical Difficulties. We thank you for listening, and we will see you again at next year's Christmas holiday special. Thank you.